Honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. You didn't do the <laughs> gas for air. Hey, what's, hey, what's up, up, you guys? guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays for the Ghouls. A Podmoth podcast. Welcome to our podcast. It's True Crime Week, everybody. Uh, how are you doing, Haley? I'm I'm doing good. Just, you know, stressing, but that's life. Stressing. Chilling out, Max, and relaxing, all cool and all. <laughs> Shooting some, some people, people outside of the school. Outside of school, yeah. Yeah. And a couple of guys, they were just up, up to, to no, no good. good. Started getting in trouble yeah. in my neighborhood. Yeah. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. Instead of you... sending me to fucking Bel Air. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we just do the whole song. That's our whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Good night. Good night. Okay. <laughs> um, What if that was like. Our new shtick is just seeing how many like fucking lyrics we can lyrics we can put it like just or say <laughs> just in a in a sentence. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be good at that game. I think you. Would I like good. that game. Um, <laughs> but I'm okay. You're okay. I just I just feel really bad because I can clearly tell that what you're about to tell me is very distraught. Has brought you a lot of grief and uh, it worries me. And I'm just like I'll read it if you want me to. <laughs> You won't be able to make sense of my notes. That's very even true. I, even if I I'll just read know. it and be like, this isn't bad. <laughs> Some of it's up in my head. So, yeah, Haley. Okay. In the last few horror movie weeks, I have had some sort of say in the movie. Like um, when we did stay alive mm-hmm. i really requested that because it was one of my favorites so um i mentioned to her i said hey is there anything that you like totally want to see from me because you know as a true crime person i feel like there are different types of true crimers <laughs> true <laughs> crimers. um there's people like me who enjoy like and i'm not saying that Haley doesn't but i enjoy like the survival stories and like the you know came from from the bottom and now we're here like those kinds of stories like i've given you a bunch of those and um i'm fucked up i'm sorry (laughs) it's not that Haley likes more gruesome stories it's just that she's not phased by a lot of things and so she said i asked her if there's something that she wanted and she said something along the lines like she wanted something like heavier than what I normally do and so I went out (laughs) 
searching. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's on. Uh, so <laughs> I, it's not. It's just. It was shocking at the at the the, the things that have happened in this true crime. Um. <laughs> She's avoiding talking about it. I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. Don't feel bad. It's fine. I'm I'm okay with talking about it. Uh, but before I talk about it, I just want to give you all like the biggest trigger warning. And um, you are so visibly uncomfortable <laughs> talking about. I just about don't this. want anyone to feel <laughs> like I've duped them into like <laughs> this true crime is not going to be that bad. It's going to be like a heist, or it's no, going it, to be like a something lighthearted. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I it's going to be bad. <laughs> Very bold, underlined, highlight that bitch, trigger warning, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll say it probably a few I'll, more times before we actually it, start the story. It, yes, I'll say it during the uh, story before I get to anything too graphic. You just, like, are talking and then all of a sudden it's like a robotic voice. Trigger, trigger warning. warning. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I don't want anyone to feel like I've tried to dupe them into thinking that this is a safe true crime podcast that they can listen to, like, <laughs> willy-nilly, especially if they're not, like, a true crimer, um, <laughs> you know. I feel like my true crime stories are, like, palatable to most people, you know, like, yeah, like I, I, I apply to the masses, <laughs> you know. Uh, the stories that you lean towards are generally in, like, a darker sense, so... No. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> what I'm saying, so you should have, when we were talking about what we should name it, or when you were like, what should I name it? Just name it Trigger Warning. <laughs> like, that's the title. Be like, it's it's that bad. It needs to be in the fucking title. Change our whole podcast name to Trigger <laughs> Warning for this one episode. So you guys have made it X amount of time into the podcast. We enjoy you. We'll be talking and chit-chatting for a little bit, and then I'll tell you when we're getting into the story. If you guys want to skip it, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) They just skip the whole episode to our banter at the end. I don't think anyone tunes in just for us bantering. (laughs) I don't know. I've read a lot of reviews on a lot of different true crime podcasts that are like, I wish they would just shut up and get to the boat, get to the true crime. (laughs) Oh, on other podcasts? Other podcasts. Oh, okay. Not on ours, obviously. Please don't leave those reviews <laughs> on our podcast. All of a sudden, cue the hate comments. <laughs> but if you do like us, definitely give us a five-star review and leave us something nice in a note. Shameless plug. Yeah, there you go. That's how you do I, it. <laughs> speaking of reviews, give us a nice one and it'll make our day a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll maybe make this whole like, story a little bit worth it. <laughs> I was like, especially Catherine who is visibly uncomfortable talking about this this story. I think it was like the extent of research that I was doing that really that like put did me you, in the spiral of like, you go this down like a dark or deep hole? I mean like it's just everything on top of each other and you'll you'll find out what I mean by that. Okay. Um, as we get into the story, but um, I think it's just like if one of these things happened to someone, it would be awful. And so everything that happened to this person, you know, it makes mm-hmm. it like that much more insane. And so, pull up you got this. this. I believe in you. Okay, she's really trying to cheer me on because yeah. I'm so visibly. <laughs> uh, she's like not used to me being like 
anxious like this, like visibly. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get into it. And um, this is the story of Gertrude Benzwiski. Now, I'm going to give you this one right here, right in the front. She's the bad guy. So let's, <laughs> as I tell you her like life story, don't feel sad for her. Um, she's the bad guy. So, yeah, her name's Gertrude. Like, obviously, she's the bad guy. Um, okay. Like Hans Gruber. Right. <laughs> she was born in Indiana in 1928, and she was the third of six children. Right in the middle. Yep. Right in the middle. And um, on October 5th of 1939, she, at 11 years old, she saw her father die of a heart attack suddenly. And then five years later, she dropped out of high school at 16. And she married a 18-year-old named John. And um, with him, she had four children. And she was married to him for 10 years. Um, but he was really an angry person. And he um, had a very hot temper. And so he was very abusive towards her. So that happened for 10 years of her marriage until she left, but she was able to keep custody of her kids. Um, after she divorced John, she married Edward Guthrie. Um, but that marriage only lasted three months. <laughs> oh. Supposedly the marriage ended because he was tired of her children because she had four kids. Damn. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know exactly. He wasn't a very big part of her life, obviously. He only lasted three months. So He's a blip in the timeline. Seriously. <laughs> um, so she, at that point, remarried John, who was abusive to her still, yeah. um, and had two more kids. So oh, at this God. point, she had six kids. Get off her. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you know what's causing that? I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> I have a feeling you don't. <laughs> They're just, they're just like, you know, we spend one night together every so often, and <laughs> every, every time, you just, yeah, you just pop out a fucking <laughs> alien baby. Like, he just accuses her of cheating. <laughs> That's not my kid. <laughs> looks he looks just, like an alien. <laughs> I mean, babies all do look, look like weird an alien yeah. when they come out. Babies look weird when they come out. Um, Eyes are all big. Gertrude at this point has. Six of them. And then she divorces John for the second time. Shocker, that marriage doesn't work out twice. Yeah. <laughs> you mm -hmm. didn't think that maybe the first time around. Oh, man, she got two more kids out of that shit. Um, so in 1963, uh, just a few weeks after she got divorced, she began a relationship with a 22-year-old named Dennis Lee Wright at 35 years old. Mm. So Dennis Lee Wright... Uh, was also bad-tempered and abused her as well. Um, they had one son together, Dennis Jr. Um, and then as soon as she gave birth, he peaced out. He was out. Peace out, Girl Scout. He never contributed to his care at all. Nothing. Got so it. in this plethora oh, of God. relationships that she had, what? I'm just, I was just like, oh God. Yeah. One, I hate people that name their kids after themselves. Yes. I'm yeah. like, really? So Dennis Jr.? Yeah. Like, really? Also, like, <laughs> imagine naming your kid after his father and his father just 
Deuces. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like skadoodles noodles. And then so now you have to say his name. Like that's his name. Yeah. So throughout these relationships, she now has seven kids. Seven kids. And she has, has miscarried also six other children. Oh my god. So she has been pregnant seven thir- thirteen times. That's crazy. That is bonkers. That's at sure. least that's at least thirteen years of pregnancy seriously like she's like pregnant every year so in 1965 she was alone with seven kids i was about to say is there a year that this woman's not alone 1965 and further she is alone 1965 and up she never got back together with anyone else after dennis um so she has seven kids they are named paula and she's 17 stephanie 15 john jr 12 Marie, 11, Shirley, 10, James, 8, and Dennis, 1. Bruh, she has two kids named after her ex-husbands. That must suck. The first boy, it was very common back then, though. The nah. first boy of every, every you know, family Not would generally name. be named after the father. I guess. Here we are, 1965. Gertrude has a bunch of kids. And she, like... If you looked at her like she looked, I would say like she looked like she was close to death. Oh, she was like very tiny. She was five six and a hundred pounds. She supported herself. Um, cocaine. Sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry. She supported herself (laughs) by doing odd jobs, babysitting, doing people's laundry, but her lack of money was, um growing into big rapid problems you know like in her home um and then paula at 17 years old is pregnant oh my god and not only is she pregnant but she's pregnant with a middle-aged married man's child so she was the side chick to some Uh. some guy and (laughs) she got pregnant so um, great (laughs) Gertrude's um Gertrude's health was steadily declining. Um so she looked very haggard looking. Uh people say that she had like a skeletal exper- uh, appearance cuz she was so skinny. Mm-hmm. Um her eyes were sunken in and she began calling herself Mrs. Wright because Dennis um Dennis Lee Wright she was she was telling people that Dennis and her got married before he left. And so she was calling herself Miss, Mrs. Wright. We're in 1965 and uh, Paula's pregnant, but she's like in the very beginning stages of birth, right? So Paula and her friend Darlene met two new girls at school, um, Sylvia Likens and Jenny Likens, which was her sister. Um, Jenny had polio and walked with leg braces. Sylvia was 16 and Jenny was 15. So they all went home after school and they went to Paula's house to like drink soda and like listen to records and like hang out. It was the 60s. Like yeah. just like teen things. Like, you know, girl things. Yes. Um, the Lycan sisters told Paula and Darlene that um, their mom, Betty, was currently in jail because they were sh- because she was shoplifting. She was caught shoplifting. Um, and that Betty was um, a single mom, but not really single. Like, she left her husband, but they weren't divorced. 
but she was taking care of the girls by herself at that time. So Sylvia was left to take care of Jenny on her own at that point. So Paula offered to let them stay the night that night. And so she took them up on that and um, they stayed the night that night and they were going to go home the next day. Um, Apparently their father, Lester was trying to track them down though, because of course Betty was in jail. And so he was like, I got to take care of my girls. Like they're somewhere here. So he was going through town asking like, have you seen like my daughters? They're, they look like this. Da, 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 da. Um, just so happens he asked Darlene. Darlene was like, they're at Paula's house. So if you just go over there, that's where they are. Um, so he went to Paula's house and Gertrude comes out and talks to him outside the house. And um, somehow there's not like a, no one knows because only Gertrude and, and Lester knows like what happened in that conversation. But somehow they agreed to... Um, let the girls live there for $20 a week. Lester would send 20 bucks and the girls could stay there. And so Lester didn't have to deal with that at that time, which I'm not really sure what Lester would have done. Like why would the girl, like, they're almost, they're almost 18, you know, like they're 15 and 16. Like they aren't, they aren't that big of a problem to like right. handle as like teenagers. If they were younger kids, I would understand needing to have someone, watch them them, but like they're teenagers and they you know could potentially be fine on their own so i just didn't understand how that all came about Mm -hmm. but uh she agreed to watch them for 20 dollars a week that would definitely help out gertrude and they would have a place to stay sounds like a good deal sounds like a great deal except for lester never went inside the house to like check it out, never went inside to talk to the girls, never went inside to just, like, see, like, the place where their st- his daughters would be staying. Right. Um, just to check it out, make sure that everything was, like, up to par, you know. <laughs> I just wrote, he should have, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Gertrude had no stove, no microwave, so they couldn't cook a hot meal at all in this house. There was only enough bed for beds for half the people that lived in that house because, mind you, there were seven kids plus Sylvia and Jenny. That's nine kids and Gertrude. So that's five beds for ten people. Not enough. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they counted baby Dennis as a person. So maybe there was even less beds. And all of the surfaces were caked in a thick layer of dirt. I mean, it has to have not been cleaned for a long time to be caked with dirt. Yeah. Um, And then the only food in the house was some bread and crackers in the pantry. And there were only three sets of plates and utensils. So only three people could eat at one time. But they didn't have to worry about that because there was no food anyway. So so there's basically nothing in this house except for 10 people. Just 10, 10 people hanging out. Um, so at first all was well, like the first week went smashing. They were, they, they went to school with, um, Paula, they did some extracurriculars and they went to church on Sunday with everyone. Um, but, uh, that first payment of $20 never came to the house. Um, and that set Gertrude off and 
that's where the bad stuff starts. So she started throwing a tantrum and she pitched a big fit and she was yelling at the girl saying, I took care of you two bitches for nothing. I mean, like maybe it was like lost in the mail. Like maybe it was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what happened. Regardless, she didn't get the money and she didn't even wait to throw fit. Like, I would have at least <laughs> waited a couple days to see if maybe something came. <laughs> but no, she went straight off on them. So there's a trigger warning of like abuse right now. Okay. So she forced them to pull down their skirts and their underwear and lay across the bed as she hit them. Yeah. So, so in the next few days, though, Lester and Betty came to check on the girls. Um, Sylvia and Jenny did not tell their parents about anything that just had happened. And I was surprised, but you, we don't know what Gertrude was telling them. You know, like if you tell your parents, like this will happen. And like, she was probably gaslighting the shit out of them. It was, it was surprising to me that they didn't tell them because they hadn't been there that long. But I, I mean, that kind of stuff can happen quickly, you know? So they, Still didn't go inside, though. They just, like, hung out outside. Later that week, the two sisters were out collecting Coke bottles and selling them for money so they could get money for candy. Um, and so when Gertrude saw the candy when they came home, she accused them of stealing. Uh, Sylvia explained themselves to her, and she called her a liar and bent her over the bed and beat her there again. Mm-hmm. Um... Shortly after, Gertrude's kids told their mom that they were disgusted with how much Sylvia eats. And, like, I'm surprised, like, there's even disgusted with how much because there's probably not that much anyway. She eats two slices of bread. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she confronted Sylvia. I guess if you have any problems with eating, there's another trigger warning here. So she forced her to eat hot dogs that were piled high with, like, stuff on top of it. And, um... Like they forced her to eat it and then she vomited and then they made her to scoop her vomit up and eat the rest of the vomit. Ew. Gross. So after a few days, the Lycans came to check on the girls and Sylvia still didn't tell them anything. In August of 1965, Sylvia was telling some of the other girls in the house that she had let a boy feel her up. Quotes, feel her up. Um, Gertrude overheard this and began yelling again. Um, he, she called her a prostitute at this point, And she said that um, she told all of the people in the house that Sylvia was pregnant because, quote, she let a boy touch her vagina. And I'm like, that is sometimes how it works. But there are specific things that have to touch together for that to work. And you know who knows about that? Paula knows about that. Oh, yeah, because she's She's pregnant. fucking pregnant. Yeah, but we'll get to that. So when she was yelling with at Sylvia, she proceeded to, like, push her down and started kicking her between the legs repeatedly. After that incident, she tried sitting down in um, a chair, and Paula pushed her out of the chair saying, and I quote, you ain't fit to sit in people chairs. And so they made her stand or sit on the ground. She wasn't allowed to sit in any chairs anymore at the house. 
which like psychologically is like so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you're not people enough to sit in a chair. So from that point on, she would have had to ask permission to sit in any chair in the house. So Gertrude let her children use Sylvia for basically whatever they want. And these games ranged from beating her, throwing her down the stairs or using her as like a life-size plaything. The day after this, um, the Lycan sisters started spreading rumors about Paula and Stephanie, the two oldest girls, saying that they were having sex with boys. Now, I don't know. I I know it's not a, a rumor for Paula. And Stephanie does have a boyfriend. So I'm going to bet you that it was something that they told them and they were just telling people so that it would get off of them and go on to Paula and Stephanie. Right. But anyway, uh, Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, 15 years old, heard what they were saying and came over to the house and beat up Sylvia. Then Gertrude finding out what happened, encouraged him to come over anytime he wanted to practice his judo with Sylvia. Wow. Around the same time, uh, Gertrude got Sylvia's best friend, Anna, alone and convinced her that Sylvia called her mom a whore and convinced her to violently attack Sylvia when she came back into the room. And she did. She convinced Paula's friend that Sylvia was spreading rumors about her mother and she made them fight. And at this point she told Jenny to go hit Sylvia too. And Jenny refused at first, but then Gertrude hit her and said, if you don't, if you don't hit her, like I'm going to beat you up. And so she did. And that kind of shit dragged on forever. Now new neighbors moved in next door and are we not hoping that maybe they would? They won't, but I hope so. <laughs> maybe they would be our saviors here. So, um, <laughs> your face was when you're like, <laughs> <laughs> Phyllis and Raymond Vermillion, uh, they saw all the kids over at their house, and Phyllis thought Gertrude might be a good person to babysit her boys because she had so many kids over there. She obviously could watch two more she's obviously great with kids obviously great with kids she has fucking 10 at her house she doesn't need two more Jeez. anyway so they invited all of them over to their house to at least vet them here which was good um she invited them all over for a barbecue to get to know each other um phyllis noticed that sylvia was wandering around and had a black eye and paula bragged that she gave it to Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she she had a mug of like steaming water and went over to Sylvia and threw it in her face. Right in front of Phyllis. Phyllis never reported that. A couple weeks later, I think, uh, Phyllis went over to borrow something from them. And she noticed that Sylvia was wandering around with a swollen lip and a black eye that was like swollen shut. And Paula began to demonstrate how she gave her that black eye and she took her belt off and she started beating Sylvia again. And I'm like, (laughs) you straight up see it. And Paula's telling you that she's doing it and you're not, you're not reporting, not reporting it. So another day, Sylvia came home and she said that she needed a sweatsuit for gym class. Gertrude said that, They couldn't afford that, and so she stole one from school. 
Um, when Gertrude found out, she asked why, and Sylvia confessed that she did steal it. Um, and so somehow, um, Gertrude moved from the stealing to Sylvia being a prostitute again and threw her down on the ground and kicked her in the crotch again repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gertrude said, quote, to cure your sticky fingers, or she burned her tips of her fingers with a cigarette. And at that point, she gave everyone in the house permission to put their cigarettes out on Sylvia anytime. Another day, uh, the Lycan sisters sold soda bottles again. And upon returning, she accused uh, Sylvia, because she had money, of being a prostitute again. Do another trigger warning for bad things. Um, So she made her strip down in front of her sons and the neighbor boys. And then she gave her a Coke bottle and made her masturbate with it. After this incident, she became uh, incontinent. So Gertrude decided that she wasn't quote fit to live with people anymore and put her in the basement. Yep. Yep. So she lived in the basement and the basement didn't have a bathroom. So she would have to go to the bathroom just on the ground down there. After finding out that she goes to the bathroom down there on the floor, which she had no other options. So, like, it's not like she had to. Yeah. Um, Gertrude started a specific bathing regimen for Sylvia. And this bathing regimen was that she'd fill the tub with scalding water, tie her ankles and her feet together, and dunk her into the scalding water as many times as she wanted. And this would happen either every day or it wouldn't happen for a couple days. It was never like on a schedule. Mm-hmm. It was just whenever she felt like it, she did it. And so she pretty much stayed naked down in the basement all the time. Gertrude turned her into a money-making opportunity and charging the neighbor kids five cents to see her naked and gawk at her. So we're here at the point where there might have been some rescues. So Jenny her sister that knows everything that's happening in this house to her sister. And nothing happened to Jenny. The only time that something happened was that when she refused to hit her sister, they hit her once, but then she started hitting her sister. Um, Jenny wrote a letter to her older sister, Diana. Diana was older and like married and had kids. Um, And so she lived away from the town. Um, And she explained everything that was happening to Sylvia, to Diana. And Diana thought that, she was just complaining about punishments that it wasn't as serious as she was explaining it. And she was like embellishing because she thought it was just like the punishment she was going to get. And so she didn't come and she didn't try to help in all when she got that letter. Um, Judy Duke, who was a neighbor kid, um, she saw Sylvia and told her mom. Um, and her mom said, that's what you get when you do things wrong. Or when you're being punished. And like imagine Judy. Like going and seeing Sylvia. And thinking that's really what punishment was. When her mom thinks that maybe it was just like. Time out. You know like. I don't know. I don't know exactly what she said to her mother. And I don't know exactly what Jenny said to Diana. But like I don't know how. Like if someone told me that someone was. You know tied up naked in a basement. Like. I wouldn't think that was just punishment, (laughs) you know, like that, that would be more alarming to me. And then Reverend Roy Julian visited the home and Gertrude complained about Sylvia being a prostitute. 
except for again paula was pregnant but gertrude kept denying the fact that she was pregnant and still said that paula was pure and was still a virgin although she was very much so pregnant (laughs) um so they prayed for her salvation and Reverend Roy Julian returned to check on them. And Paula confessed to him that she had hatred in her heart for Sylvia. And Gertrude said, that's not true. No, she doesn't. And then like he, he left. Although Diana did not um, answer the letter or come right away when Jenny wrote, she did come to visit her sisters, but Gertrude wouldn't allow her, and she, um, Gertrude said that Lester told her that Diana wasn't allowed to come and see him. And when she questioned it, she said, I'm going to call the police if you don't get off my property. So she, like, went off the property and waited until she saw Jenny leave the house. She approached her, and Jenny said that she wasn't allowed to talk to her and ran away. So although they may not have done anything physical to Jenny, they definitely like psychologically gaslit Jenny for sure Mm -hmm. because she ran away from her sister who she wrote to just a few weeks ago for help. For help. So (laughs) um, at that point, Diana called social services and a social worker came to visit and Gertrude said that Sophia was kicked out because she was dirty and she ran away. On October 21st, Gertrude made the kids bring Sylvia upstairs and they tied her to one of the beds. And she said, if you can sleep here on this bed without wetting the bed, you can start sleeping upstairs. Um, but she couldn't. She couldn't make it through the night without going wetting the bed. Um, and so at this point, she was forced to strip again and masturbate again with the bottle in front of her sons and the neighbor boys. After she got dressed, Gertrude brought back up the lies that she supposedly told about Paula and Stephanie. And she said, you branded my daughters. Now I'm going to brand you. Mm -hmm. So they forced her to strip down again and they tied her down and gagged her. And with a, Sewing needle and a lighter they carved into her stomach. I'm a prostitute and proud of it. It was um like a third degree burns mm-hmm. and a tattoo, but there was no ink. So Gertrude left the room and the kids decided let's tattoo an S on her chest for Sylvia or slave. And so one of them tattooed the bottom part of the S and then they made Jenny do the top part. But the they somehow got mixed up and it looked like a three. So after that, they took her down to the basement and Koi practiced judo on her um, into the middle of the night. So like probably for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny snuck down and visited with her sister after he had left. And she said to her, she said, I'm going to die. I can tell. Now, I don't know where the change of heart came from or if their conscience was catching up with them, if Jenny came up and told them or what. But shortly after, Gertrude allowed Sylvia to come upstairs and sleep in a bed for the night. So she was slept until noon until she was woken up. 
um, and they bathed her in a nice, warm, soapy bath. Like, all of a sudden, they were being like, nice, nice. Like when they didn't give a shit about her fucking five hours ago. Mm. <laughs> so after the bath, they made her write a letter. Um, and I'm going to read the letter that she made her write. So this is how they how they made her write it. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens, which why wouldn't she write it? Mom, Mom and, and Dad. Dad. Um, I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night. And they said that they would pay me to give them something. So I got in the car and they all got what they wanted. And when they finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. They also put on my stomach, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything I could do to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I've torn up a new mattress, peed on it, and I've also cost Gertie doctor bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all her kids. And then she was informed not to sign it. Doesn't even seem like a full letter. Like, we can just assume that Gertrude was not all fucking there. So after that, they were making a plan to dump her in a um, at a garbage dump and leave her to die. Um, and she heard them, overheard them talking about this and... She saw the door and she tried to run out that door. But because she was so beat up and like broken, mm -hmm. she was going so slow that Gertrude was able to drag her back into the house. Um, so unfortunately that didn't work, but she at least attempted, which at that point they sat her down at the table and they attempted to feed her toast. But she was unable to swallow it. Like, she wasn't able to eat the toast. So they took her in the basement and repeatedly punched her in the stomach. The next day, they attempted to bludgeon her. Um, and, like, I thought this was really, like, chef's kiss part of this. Gertie took a chair and tried to hit her. And he she missed completely, shattering the chair apart. So then she took the like stick that was in her hand and tried to hit her and missed again, but somehow hit herself in the eye and gave herself a black eye. Like I was Karma. like, I was like just desserts. Like that's exactly, I mean like not only what you deserve, but at least it's a start. <laughs> Koi who practiced judo on her stepped in and um, beat her with a broomstick at that point. Cause obviously Gertie couldn't do it. Um, so over that night she was banging an iron shovel on the ground and supposedly the neighbors heard it and still did nothing fucking what's the point in having neighbors if they're not gonna like help you in an emergency right. I might as well live by myself like <laughs> out in the middle of bumfuck nowhere jeez on 10:26, they brought her upstairs to take a bath and they found out she was not breathing. They um Stephanie tried CPR, uh, but she was already dead. So they took her back down to the um basement. They called the police. They gave them the letter that she wrote and said that she ran away. But secretly, Jenny pulled aside one of the officers and said, if you can get me out of here, I can tell you everything. That triggered them to search the house. 
and they found um, her body down in the basement. Um, so they they took her body and they arrested Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Jr., Hobbs, who was her personal assistant, and I'll talk to you about him in just a second, and Coy um, for murder. They also arrested all of the neighborhood kids that were at her house at that time as well. They charged them with injury to a person. Let's talk about Hobbs for a second. Hobbs was like a 15-year-old that she charged to be like her personal assistant. So basically he did anything that she needed, especially in regards to Sylvia. And um, there were rumors that her and him were together. Her and a 15-year-old were together. Um, and she was probably f- almost 40 at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing like specific about that. And I don't know if that's true, but he was arrested for murder as well. Her autopsy uh, showed that she had over 100 cigarette burns. She had second and third degree burns, severe bruising, muscle and nerve damage. And Sylvia, um, nearly severed her lips by biting on them like because she was in pain um and uh her her vagina was swollen shut and the cause of death was brain swelling hemorrhaging and shock Mm -hmm. the trial began may of 1966 they were um held with no bail Um, The kids, the neighbor kids who were at the house were dismissed. Their charges were dismissed and dropped um, and they were able to go home. And Stephanie somehow, um, her and her lawyer got them to try her separately instead of with everyone else. And she, her charges were dropped as well. But Gertrude, Paula, John, Hobbs, and Coy, they all were um, tried at the same time. So, they were seeking the death penalty for all of them. Um, Paula's trial got cut short because um, she went into labor and had a child. She had a little girl and named her Gertrude. <coughs> oh my God. That was awful. Gertrude's lawyer um, blamed the kids for everything that happened to Sylvia um, and saying that Gertrude was not capable of this abuse because of, you know, how she looked and her her the kids lawyers did the same for Gertrude is like obviously this was Gertrude obviously it wasn't the kids when really it was a joint affair right well, like it was both of them during the trial there was the biggest damaging testimony um, Gertrude actually self-incriminated herself a lot during while she was on the stand because I'm sure she couldn't keep her shit together she's fucking psycho yeah um, she said Sylvia was a prostitute, started fights, and Marie, her daughter, who, when we first began this journey, was about 11, she was confirming all of the story that her mother said on the test, on the, on the stand. Um, and then she just yelled out, she said, God help me, and then bluntly and graphically described in detail everything that happened in that house. So she was like the main nail in the coffin for why the they got convicted of murder. So 
Gertrude was found guilty of murder in the first degree and was charged life in prison without parole. Paula got charged murder in the second degree, uh, but they appealed it and they took um, they took her back to court. She, got, she took a plea for voluntary manslaughter and took three years and was paroled. John, Hobbs, and Coy, they um, were charged with voluntary manslaughter and got 18 months in juvie each. Um, after release, Hobbs started chain smoking and um, not just like chain smoking, but severely chain smoking that at 18 years old, by 20, he had decayed his lungs and by 21, he was dead of lung cancer. That's how much he smoked after he got out of juvie because he was so distraught by the whole situation, I guess. Now, he was the one who was possibly in a relationship with Gertrude which is a whole nother thing he could have been a victim in and of himself because mm-hmm. of the fact that he was 15 but he didn't do well after juvie but uh Gertrude actually appealed her case and they took her back to trial and instead of life um in prison they gave her 18 years to life um she was a model prisoner. She was like a den mother to the other prisoners in the prison. So when she came up for parole, um, the community picketed by telling, by saying like, this person needs to stay in jail. Like she was terrible. She was awful. And that she should stay behind bars. Uh, but despite they granted her parole and she walked out of prison December of 1985. I'm pissed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, this story was at least going to make you feel pissed. I told you I'd probably feel angry. Yeah. I'm angry. Um, She changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen. She moved to Iowa. Looks her up. <laughs> She's probably dead. Moved to Iowa and died of lung cancer. Oh, in there we go. 1990. <laughs> 1990. June of 1990. Dang. At least she was not breathing the same air we were when we were alive. Thank the Lord. Or we're alive. Um, most of the fates of the kids were unknown, but um, most of them probably assumed new identities after oh, yeah. that whole scenario. It's rumored that Paula is in Iowa um, and still alive under a false name. Stephanie became a school teacher under a new name. And John Jr., he became John Blake um, and became a truck driver. Then he became a real estate agent. He got married. He had three kids and um, remained pretty much anonymous until the Jonesboro Massacre, where he came out in the media that his sentence probably should have been stronger or like harsher for his part in the murder. Wow. The case was called the single worst crime perpetuated against an individual in Indiana's history. And uh, that's the story of the murder of Sylvia Likens. Yeah, that was a heavy one. I'm sorry you had to do that one. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make you proud. I'm <laughs> You delivered. I'm proud of you. 
I I know I did know about this one, but like I said, I didn't know like the details. Uh, it's not that I'm not like cold hearted or nothing. Like yeah, it it's it's awful. Like it's really awful. But like I told you earlier, if I saw it or like visible, like if I watch the movie, mm-hmm. I could probably watch the movie, but it'll bother me. <laughs> like I'll be very uncomfortable. Right. But hearing about it, I'm like, oh, it's just it's just a story you're telling me, like, but you you try to like take it away from reality, even though it yeah, really most happens. Of the, most of the things I hear, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Like that's right. reality. <laughs> it's something. I mean, in this day and age, it's the only way that you can get through things. Yeah, like <laughs> that's a trauma response, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i got a lot of that (laughs) i was like shocked at every turn like i know that i shouldn't have been shocked so much because like this lady was fucking crazy but every time i like wrote another thing down that happened to sylvia i was like oh oh my gosh i just mouth open like i couldn't oh my gosh it was crazy i know at any time you would like i could tell when something heavy was coming up because you'd be like I'm like you would like prepare. I'm like, oh, well, here comes here comes something. And I'm truly, sh- I I know I shouldn't be, but even though like I'm a true crime person, like it still shocks me. Like things that people do to other people, like things humans do to other humans. Honestly, yeah. And so like when I when I have to like read about it or like you know. Like, I'm like you. I think that if I, like, was just listening to it on, like, a a TV show or, like, a dateline, like, I can occupy my other parts of my mind with other things that it's, like, that's not going to phase me. But when Mm -hmm. I have to do the research and I have to know all of the ins and outs of everything, it's a different story. I'll give you guys a little insight. So, when she asked me if what I wanted, (laughs) I did tell her, yes, I do want something more heavy. But I also told her, I was, like, I don't know how to describe what I like. I like, like, something with skeletons or, like, remains found. And then I was like, I like Cold Cases. Like, Cold Case is, like, one of my favorite shows right now. <laughs> the actual show called Cold Case. It was, the like... drama? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, the one that's not yeah, real. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, okay. I love that show. When you mean, solved. like, you mean, like, a case... That, that was, was cold a, yeah. for so long yes. and then got solved. Yes. Oh. And then they usually have like skeletal remains that they find. I don't know why. Okay. I have a story for you, Lim. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, if you guys have any scary stories for Campfire, please send them to us on um, Instagram or Facebook in our DMs at Saturdays are for the Ghouls. Follow us on Twitter for the Ghouls and TikTok Saturdays are for the Ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um and uh spooky babes we appreciate you very much um go watch something that makes you laugh after listening to this podcast go watch a disney movie go watch, watch uh, it. yes the office the friends um uh, friends um <laughs> family guy uh all the- burgers <laughs> and i hope that you all are doing well with everything considered in the world right now and take care of yourself guys and we will see you in your nightmares